It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for being with me. Hope you enjoy the show this morning. I'm going to start off with kind of where I ended up last week because it's been an active week in what's happening in Manitoba, which goes to prove that WGN Radio has a lot of power. We've always known that. But it also goes to prove that there is hope I think in the professional community, for those of you who've been following this, it's Manitoba's attempt to institute some new policies for hunting that have never been done before in North America regarding outfitters and guaranteed licenses for landowners, for non-residents. And the waterfowl community has basically united almost 100% to condemn what Manitoba is doing and to look for a better path forward. And while it appears that in the near term, the Manitoba regulations are not going to change, what is clearly evident is that the professional community, from the former head of the Migratory Bird Division of the Fish and Wildlife Service to the former head of the North American Wetlands Council to former heads of state agencies, current heads of state agencies, Waterfowl organizations led by Ducks Unlimited, which has been absolutely staunch in their belief that science needs to dictate waterfowl management. Uh, There is near unanimous agreement that what Manitoba is doing is wrong. It will hurt the future of waterfowl management and that it changes this belief that waterfowl, as all wildlife are, it belongs to the public trust. So it's heartening to see just how strongly the professional community is coming together. Uh, You read the email traffic. There's some wonderful listservs out there, podcasts. Uh, Everybody is uniting that has any experience in waterfowl management to point out why what Manitoba is trying to do is really bad for the future, not only of waterfowl management, but wildlife management. So, WGN, I think, has led the way in, in keeping this in the discussion. The emails I'm getting uh, indicate that I think every listener who's, who's re- responded believes that what Manitoba is doing is a threat to the future of wildlife management. And a lot of people feel, a lot of you listeners feel it's just plain un-American. And we have a lot of friends in Manitoba. And certainly the people of Manitoba don't appear to be behind this based upon the discussions on our call last week. We'll see where it goes. I'm not likely to bring the subject up again for a little bit because there's there's really nothing happening uh, in the near term except that the professional community is uniting behind uh, having this stopped. Moving from the winter north of Manitoba, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a back roads journey, which I had this past week, which in the fall I've talked about how tremendous it is to follow the leaves in the fall as they turn color, having started in the far north in Manitoba or Saskatchewan and following over 
six to eight week period, the changing of fall colors all the way down into the deep south. And the further south you get, frankly, the, the less the colors are in the fall. Just the reverse is true in the spring, as I had the opportunity this past week to drive from Little Rock, Arkansas, to New Orleans, Louisiana. And I did so when I left Little Rock. There were just the first of buds coming out. Tulips weren't out of the ground. And I will say that spring in the south, the blossoms and the flowers in the south in the spring are far beyond anything we can imagine in the north. Whereas the north in the fall, the colors of our maples and trees and our oaks and ash are far beyond anything the south may have. Just the reverse is true in the spring. I drove the country roads from Little Rock on down to New Orleans, about a nine-hour drive if you drive the back roads as I did, and you have the opportunity to, to really stop and smell the roses, as it were. Uh, as I started in Little Rock, you could just see that spring was, was hinting of beginning. 150 miles south as I reached Greenville, Mississippi, spring was well on its way. The, the uh, clover along the roadsides was coming up. Uh, tulips were up. Blossoms were on the trees, and as I moved further south, you went from no spring, beginning of springs, and by the time I got to past Jackson, Mississippi, on towards uh, halfway down the state of Mississippi by Natchez, it was, it was full summer. The green canopy was everywhere. All the flowers were blossoming, and as I moved down to New Orleans some nine hours later, it's 85 degrees and that sultry humidity that only the Gulf Coast can provide, even though here we are in March, it, it knows how to bring on the humidity. And it just, it's intoxicating. It, it just almost sucks you in in the spring. And the azaleas are out and, and everything, the lilies, are, every tree is blossoming. Cherry blossoms have come and gone. It, it's an extraordinary sight. And to be in New Orleans, which certainly we all read about and and say New Orleans has its challenges, that's for sure when it comes to safety and what's going on in the city. We're not one to talk in Chicago about others right now. But the beauty of the French Quarter, the beauty of the Garden District in particular, Audubon Park, in the spring is stunning. And it may not be something that, that many of you have ever done. It certainly doesn't really get on the tour guides, but to be in New Orleans in March is to be with the arrival of, of really one of the great seasons in the South. And, and I was there at Audubon Park. I was there in the Garden District. The, the pungent smell in the air of, of all these flowers, it, it just it literally takes your breath away. And you better like the smell of flowers because they're everywhere. And it helps you overlook so much of what's going on in New Orleans and the filth and the dirt and unfortunately in the homelessness, and in this beautiful setting, this cathedral of, of flowers, and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the beginning of life in the spring, you look at a city that's in, in horrible decay, and maybe that can be turned around. But my story isn't about that. It's really about what it is to take, in my case, a day, a little over nine hours, to go from Little Rock to New Orleans, traversing some of the oldest roads we have in America, on down the Natchez Trace, and in my case, also reliving a bit of history, as I've done this years ago. 
But to see spring arrive, it makes me think now that I'm back in Chicago, it makes me think there's hope here too. It may be gray and it's going to be gray and it's going to be wet for a while, but those tulips are coming out of the ground. The crocus are coming out of the ground. We're going to begin to see the, the red buds coming. Spring is on its way, but I got a glimpse of it this past week when I went from the beginning of spring in Little Rock to practically full-on summer in New Orleans. And it's a drive that we don't think about. We think about drives in the fall to go see the fall colors. I would offer anyone at time that you still have lots of time if you want to head out of Chicago and head south for the coming weeks. You can capture spring beginning for a long way. It's just in Little Rock now. It'll, it'll be in St. Louis in 10 days. There's a lot of spring to be seen. So if you're feeling a little bit stir-crazy and want to get out of the house, pick up a back roads map, drive some of the back roads, leave, out, leave Chicago area, or if you're listening in Wisconsin, head south. Fall, we head north. In the spring, head south. And pretty soon, the brown ground, black dirt will turn to flowers and green, and, and then eventually beautiful trees. Drive down through the Illinois River and see some of the, some of the flowers blossoming and go to Hennepin Hopper, which is a spectacular place to go any time of the year, the Dixon Refuge, just south of, of Hennepin. Uh, it's a drive I recommend. You'll be very happy. You took a couple days to get away from the, la- the last of winter in Chicago and find some spring. Uh, as you head south. I'll be back in just a moment with much more on the Great Outdoors show. And when I do, I'm going to talk a little bit about a something that's taking place in Africa, not in Africa, but to Africa. I'm going to introduce the subject, and in the coming weeks, there'll be much more to come. So thank you for listening. I'll be back in just a moment. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thanks for being with me. We're going to go all the way across the Atlantic to Africa. Well, we're not quite going to Africa. We're going to stop in London on the way. Because in Parliament in London, they are trying to drive a stake into the remnants of the big game herds in Africa. And when I say that, it's based upon Parliament deciding that they would like to stop the importation of hundreds of species of animals from Africa. And I have a letter from the Ministry of Environment and Tourism out of Botswana. 
And it says the Ministry of Environment and Tourism is concerned over the purported United Kingdom parliamentary bill that is expected to ban the importation of legally harvested wildlife trophies into the United Kingdom, the majority of which are coming from Africa. The list of targeted wildlife includes all species that are on the Botswana hunting quota. This is really serious. And in the next four minutes, I'm not going to have time to develop the subject. But once again, the ivory towers of London and New York and Washington and L.A. are dictating how the African people should live. And in this case, if the U.K. passes a virtual total ban on importation of, of game shot in Africa, you can look forward in the next few years to reading about the near extinction of a new number of species in Africa. And I say that because the people, the Africans who live in the bush and in the wild of Africa, have absolutely no seat at the table. No one's asking them what they think they need to do to survive. And I would offer it, we are well past time, well past the time, when we need to ask the Africans how they want to live and what's important to them. I'm not going to read the whole letter. It's several pages long, but there is a comment here. Elephants are an example of species whose numbers have increased in Botswana as a result of the management by the government and its partners, including the community-based organizations. Communities continue to generate considerable revenues through community quotas for hunting and special elephant quotas that have enabled us to finance elephant conservation projects and the livelihood of our people as well. The projects for the communities in Botswana Elephant Range are deeply now threatened by what's happening in the United Kingdom. The people of Africa have figured out how to live with the world's most dangerous game, the world's largest animals, by deriving revenue from the harvesting in a sustainable manner of those animals. They know that if they cannot harvest these animals in a sustainable way, that that revenue source, which is hundreds of millions of dollars to these communities, which in Africa is the equivalent of billions and billions in America, is how these communities can continue to exist. The moment you take away the revenue source from these communities, from the big game herds that they are managing, the big game herds are going to become extinct. And it's been seen time and time again how you take away the economic viability of a resource species and suddenly that species is in trouble. So when the elephant herd marauds and and comes into a maize field in Botswana, Right now, they tolerate that because those elephants are worth a lot of money to them. Take that away, and when the elephants come into the maize field and eat the maize, it's taking away the only remnant of income the Africans have, those villagers have, and they're going to kill the elephants. And they live with lions who kill people. And when we look at this make-believe world that we often see on TV, the people in the bush in Africa every day live with the threat of being eaten by lions. But they do that because they know lions are worth a lot of money to their communities. Take away the value of the money and you take away the lions. So there's, this is a serious, serious issue that's just beginning to surface. The United Kingdom, of course, for, for eons has been 
one of the leaders in, in supporting Africa and supporting sustainable management in Africa through hunting. And now all of a sudden they're trying to pull out the rug in many cases of colonies that were, that were British colonies a long time ago. So some of them not so long ago. There'll be more on this in the coming weeks, but I raise the subject that once again, we somehow find ourselves, and it happens in America all the time, when we now have ballot box biology instead of having wildlife managers manage biology, just like we're having in Manitoba where I started the show. There's no wildlife management going on in what Manitoba is trying to do. It's done by a few individuals who think they know better than everyone else. That's what's going on here in the Parliament in London. They think they know better for the Africans than the Africans know for themselves. On that note, better end the show for the day. There'll be much more coming in the coming weeks on this subject. Spring is coming. And if you want to hurry up and see spring faster, simply get in your car and drive south. You go as far as Little Rock, you can see it begin. You don't need to go all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico as I did because it's already happened there. But just head south and enjoy the beauty and the magic of the reawakening of the land as only it can be done in spring. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. Have a great week and a great outdoors.